The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's a Friday. It's PFTPM. Week 14 is upon us. Week 14 has already begun. And Shereen, it's refreshing to have... No issues to discuss today as Sunday football looms of any COVID problems, outbreaks. Yeah, there's the usual smattering of guys on the COVID-19 reserve list. We don't want to minimize that. But there's no reason, as we sit here less than 48 hours from Sunday, week 14, to have any concern. And it's amazing when you consider how bad the news is beyond football Amazing that the NFL has gotten this far and by all appearances is going to check off another week with only three weekends left in the regular season. Yeah, David Johnson went on the COVID-19 reserve list today. We don't know whether that was a close contact or he actually tested positive, but that's really it. That's the news. As you said, it looks like we're going to get all these games in and hey, we're going to have probably one Monday night game and no Tuesday games this week. Let's cross our fingers. But this is the first time, Mike, in a few weeks that we actually haven't had a change to the schedule. And Friday feels like Friday now and presumably Sunday will feel like Sunday and Monday and Tuesday of next week will feel the same because I got off track this week after we had the Tuesday night game. It was great, though, to have four primetime football games during the course of of four nights, really, two Monday, one Tuesday, one Thursday. But what's strange is with the Ravens situation a couple of weeks ago, there was a sense that we just had to deal with this new reality of the car moving toward the finish line as it was commencing the process of falling apart. It all came together. It's all holding together. Now we're, we're... a news cycle away, a minute away, a tweet away from going in the other direction. But right now, for now, everything looks good. And we're 15 days removed from Thanksgiving. I'm stunned we haven't had the uptick. I'm relieved. I'm happy we haven't had the uptick that we thought we were going to have after Thanksgiving. So everything is on track. It's not on track for Drew Brees to play this weekend. Remember, he was put on injured reserve three weeks ago today. Today's the day he's eligible to return to practice. Once he returns to practice, a three-week window opens for him to return to action. No reason to think he's coming back today or tomorrow. No reason to think he's going to play on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. So it will be Taysom Hill, who's 3-0 and as a starter. The New Orleans Saints now 8-0 and with backup quarterbacks over the last two seasons. And it'll be Hill versus Jalen Hurts, the new starter in Philly with Carson Wentz on the bench. And there's no concern with Taysom Hill on the field. None whatsoever. They're as confident with Hill as they are with Breeze. I've seen people in the media beginning to suggest, and this may be sacrilegious, that Hill should just continue to be the starter for the rest of the season, regardless of whether or not Breeze is healthy. I'm not ready to go there, but there are some voices that are beginning to make that noise. And with each win and with each impressive performance by Taysom Hill, Shereen, I think you're going to hear more people start to sign on to that concept. 
Yeah, Mike, a couple things. First, you know, you're the one that pointed out that that you think they put him on injury reserve today so he wouldn't push to come back this week, and it makes sense. They should feel confident against the Eagles, right? They, they're going to win that game unless they do something stupid in that game with Jalen Hurts making his first start, and it wouldn't matter if it was Carson Wentz or Jalen Hurts. The Saints are favored. They're going to win this game, should win this game. But guess what? Guess who they play next week? They play the Chiefs next week. So I'm thinking they want Drew Brees to get in a week of practice, come back, be ready, and perhaps put Taysom Hill back in his rule. And perhaps, Mike, he's more involved in the passing game now that they know what he can do. They've seen it. They have evidence of it. So perhaps we see him taking actually more snaps as a quarterback and throwing more passes as a quarterback next week against the Chiefs, if indeed Drew Brees does come back and start. And to the extent that there is a dramatic difference between the two quarterbacks, why not use them as much as you can to force the opposing defense to be ready for anything and everything? And it could get, it could get a little awkward. There could be some palace intrigue if Drew Brees believes he's ready, but the Saints aren't ready to activate him from injury reserve or once he's returned to practice to activate him for game purposes. And the one reporter to watch in this regard, and look, there are some in this business who get a little uncomfortable when I do this, but it's never stopped me before. It's not stopping me now. Watch Ed Werder's Twitter feed. Because if Ed Werder is reporting that Drew Brees is antsy or Drew Brees is ready to come back or Drew Brees is confused, it's all coming from Drew. If, if Ed Warder reports it, Shereen, you don't have to agree or disagree with me on this if you don't want to. I don't want to put you in a bad oh, spot. Agree. Just listen to me, folks. Okay, thank you. If Ed Warder reports <laughs> it, it's coming from Breeze. So if there's any potential awkwardness between team and Breeze and Ed Warder reports on potential awkwardness, know this, it's coming from Breeze. So that'll be something to keep an eye on, too, if they don't instantly welcome Breeze back to practice next week once they get ready for the Chiefs, Shereen. And you know what, Mike? Sean Payton's brilliant, and he's brilliant in so many ways. I mean, the Saints are 8-0 without Drew Brees' as starting quarterback over the last two years, 5-0 last year with, with Teddy Bridgewater. But he learned so much of this stuff from Bill Parcells, and we've kind of traded. You you talked to, to Sean, and you talked to some other Saints players. You talked about the cheese. I think it was Taysom Hill who told you about the cheese baskets in the locker room. That's from Bill Parcells. Get in the training room ice cold so players don't want to be there. That's Bill Parcells, <laughs> an influence that Parcells had on on Sean Payton but another thing he's great at Mike is the intrigue of who's going to start at quarterback I don't know if there's anybody better in the league at doing this than Sean Payton than hiding who's going to be your starting quarterback I mean we talked about the Eagles came out and announced hey Jalen Hurts going to be our quarterback Sean Payton would never do that and so the Eagles frankly are having to game plan for two completely different quarterbacks if you look how the Saints have changed since Taysom Hill's been in there they've averaged 200.7 rushing yards and 38.7 attempts with Hill at the quarterback. With Breeze there, it was 29.6 attempts and 120.8 yards. Completely different offense with Taysom Hill. So now you've had the Eagles spending all week having a game plan for two quarterbacks. It's it's brilliant, frankly. And he's one of the only, I guess Bill Belichick is the other who can pull this off. But I've never seen anything like it because people always talk Whoever it is, because you know who's taking those first team snaps, players talk, but in the Saints' case and the Patriots' case, 
Only two teams I know of in the NFL, nobody talks. We were trading text messages earlier reminiscing about Bill Parcells, and you lived it. You covered it. I just remember hearing about it from the people that I know that when Parcells became the coach, it was the training room that was reduced to as cold as possible so players wouldn't want to go there. And the players' lounge basically became an igloo. Extra air conditioning units turn it all the way down so it's so cold they don't want to go in there and hang out. Just brilliant and Look, they didn't win a Super Bowl. They didn't even get to an NFC Championship game under Parcells, but they were pretty good because of the Parcells' influence. And now the Saints, 10-2 and on the brink of another division championship with or without Drew Brees. And again, if they win in Philly on Sunday, I expect more people to start cooking up the hot take that Hill should continue to be the quarterback even when Drew Brees is healthy. And I, again, I'm not saying I'm on board with that. But as they keep winning, you're going to hear that more and more. The Giants don't have a quarterback controversy, even though Colt McCoy somehow went to what is now Lumen Field, not CenturyLink Field, and beat the Seattle Seahawks last weekend. A decision is to be made on Friday night regarding whether or not Daniel Jones will face the Cardinals on Sunday. I don't know whether or not Joe Judge is trying to take a page out of the Belichick, Parcells, Peyton playbook and keep the Cardinals guessing as to who they'll face. All I know is a hamstring injury, as we've discussed, Shereen, takes time to heal. It's only 12 days since Jones originally injured it and then came back into the game and seemed to aggravate it that day. Not good. Takes time. I'd be surprised if he plays. And maybe it is just Joe Judge trying to keep Cliff Kingsbury and company guessing for as long as possible about who the quarterback will be come Sunday in a game that quietly has become hugely significant because if the Cardinals lose another one, they're probably done. And the Giants are tied with Washington for first place in the NFC East. As long as they're tied, the Giants have the tiebreaker head-to-head with Washington. If the Giants fall behind, obviously, Washington has the door open to take the division. This is a huge game. It's one of the top four or five games of the weekend. Yeah, it's strange to say that, Mike, but you and I don't normally disagree, but I'm going to disagree on this one. I think Daniel Jones is going to play, and the reason I say that, he was a full participant today in practice. They do list him as questionable. I think he's going to play. I don't know if it's wise that they play him, but I do think signs are pointing toward him playing this uh, week for the Giants, and we discussed this before. I I don't know that there's much difference between – Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy. I don't know that it makes that much difference to start. I would probably go with Colt McCoy another week just to make sure that hamstring is fully healed. If you bring him back and he hurts it again, he's probably out for the year. And he is your starting quarterback, and I guess he's your starting quarterback for a reason. So if you want him to be the starter, you'd let him sit one more week and make sure that thing is fully healed before you put him back out there. Because we know when he's in there, he's the running game is such a big part of his game. It's what makes Daniel Jones Daniel Jones is the fact that he can run the ball. And when he doesn't trip over the yard lines, he's pretty good at it. <laughs> well, and, and uh, one thing that we know is a huge primetime game is looming for the New York Giants. The Browns-Giants game that was flexed into the spot previously held by the Cowboys and the 49ers. And if for some reason Jones isn't ready to play, if he would play tomorrow or Sunday, excuse me, and aggravate the injury or just not be ready by next weekend, Colt McCoy revenge game going against a Browns team that drafted him, and he was the starter there for a couple of years before he moved on. Colt McCoy continues to be my hero. The guy's been in the NFL 11 years. He rarely has to play. 
when he does have to play, he's played fairly well. As the Cowboys know from several years ago when Colt McCoy started on a Monday night and beat Tony Romo, right? Romo played in that game, or was that a game when Romo was injured? I think Romo played, Colt McCoy played, Colt McCoy beat him. Colt McCoy beat Russell Wilson, and now Colt McCoy has a chance to beat Kyler Murray if Daniel Jones isn't ready to play. And if there is an aggravation, it'll be Colt McCoy against Baker Mayfield next weekend. And Oklahoma-Texas rivalry reunion as well. But uh, that's down the road. Either way, we know that game's going to be in prime time. And that's a significant game next week. Cardinals-Giants significant. Who'd have thunk it? Browns-Giants significant. Who'd have thunk it? Um, another significant game on Sunday. And and, and there are plenty of, of really sneaky great games. Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Miami Dolphins. Tyreek Hill is the wild card, obviously, anytime you face the Chiefs. And one of the reasons Travis Kelsey is in position to become the first tight end to lead the league in receiving yards for a full season is because there's so much of an effort to take away Tyreek Hill. It opens things up for Travis Kelsey. Here's Andy Reid, coach of the Chiefs, talking about Tyreek Hill and one of his, I guess it's a vice. I've never heard that this is good for you, but I don't know. Maybe it makes you run really fast. Here's Reid. <laughs> I've seen a fast guy. That has the endurance that he has and the energy and he lives on gummy bears i mean it's a ridiculous I, I look at a gummy bear and put on five pounds he goes out and screeches with him so it's a, a jet fuel for him i think it takes more than one gummy bear to put five pounds on on uh on coach reed but uh yeah i mean look tyree kill whatever he's doing from a physical standpoint keep doing it because he continues to be one of the best receivers in the nfl one of the most dangerous weapons I don't know how the Dolphins are going to be able to contain him. Brian Flores was part of the game plan two years ago in the AFC Championship game when they covered the receivers single underneath, had a safety over the top that always headed over toward Hill's side of the field and essentially double covered him. Even when you do that, you're going to give up plenty of points. You know, you're gonna they're gonna you're not gonna shut out the Chiefs. You just hope you can slow them down enough so your offense can outscore them. And I don't know that the Dolphins are good enough offensively to do it, Shereen. Whatever they do to try to slow down the Chiefs' offense, they're scoring their points. Yeah, they certainly are, Mike. And they are a different offense with Tyreek Hill in there. There's no, no question about that. And he's having a great year. He's having an all-pro year. And, you know, a lot of these receivers are having all-pro years. And I think that's going to be the hardest position to determine who the two best have been in the NFL this season because there's a lot of them. But you can't discount 74 catches, 1,079 yards, and leads the league with 13 receiving touchdowns. That's huge. You know, it's better than his all-pro year of 2018 when he made 87 catches for 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. Having a great year. He seems to, to be getting better, Mike, if that's possible. But, but he does. And he hasn't lost any of that speed. He just absolutely outruns people. And he makes adds a different dimension to that offense. As you mentioned, because of him – they really get Kelsey involved underneath and some underneath stuff, and, and that's why he's having the year he's having because they're so worried about Tyree Kill. And when you single cover him, as we saw the idiots a couple weeks ago try to do, he's going to kill you. You just cannot do that. There, there are plenty of idiots who have tried from time to time all sorts of things to try. To, but the bottom line is you just have to accept the fact he is going to get open from time to time. He is going to get his yards. He is going to score his points. And we talk about this great Chiefs offense. We were banging around the idea earlier of whether or not there had been a tight end. My son asked me last night, has a tight end ever led the league in receiving yards? And I looked up the list of all-time leaders year by year. And it's like, I don't see a tight end there. I saw Sterling Sharp, and I thought, hey, there's one. Oh, no, wait, that's Shannon's brother, Sterling. He was a receiver. 
But I looked it up in 1980, and MDS pointed this out. Kellen Winslow came close to setting, or not setting, but being the league's leading uh, reception yardage player. There were three chargers in the top four that year. That's how potent that offense was. John Jefferson with 1340, Kellen Winslow with 1290, and Charlie Joyner was in fourth place. That is a prolific offense in 1980. You know, we think passing offense really just got going in the last 15 or 20 years. You know, it was in the late 70s, early 80s when it really took off. And Air Coriel, tremendous influence on what happened in the 80s, 90s, and beyond. All right. Uh, there are plenty of great young quarterbacks in the NFL, and there is one quarterback who stepped away at the the fairly young age as quarterbacks go. I think he was 30 or not quite 30 or right around 30 when Andrew Luck shocked everyone in August of 2019 and retired. Jim Irsay, the owner of the team, said today he believes the door is closed on Andrew Luck's career. There hasn't been much speculation about a Luck comeback. Remember when Barry Sanders retired in 1989 or 1999, excuse me, there was this constant, constant discussion every year. Is Barry Sanders coming back? I think he's coming back. Maybe he's coming back. There's never been any talk. I, the only talk that that ever crossed my radar screen was my own spitball from last year that maybe John Gruden will try to talk Andrew Luck into coming out of retirement and playing for the Raiders. And that obviously never materialized. So I believe Jim Irsay here that it's done. It's over. They still hold his rights. I mean, I guess they could trade him to someone if at some point he decides he wants to come back. But it sure sounds like he's done, even though he's still more than young enough to come back and play if he wanted to, Shereen. Yeah, he turned 31 in September, Mike, and he is young. And T.Y. Hilton echoed that and said, I just don't see him coming back. I think his career's done. He has a one-year-old daughter, Lucy, and really is enjoying life and is healthy. I mean, that was the big thing was all the injuries. They just piled up on Andrew Luck, and, and I think he's healthy and enjoying life right now. But it is interesting because immediately after he retired, we kept hearing, hey, the door, even Ursay said, the door's not closed on this. I could see him coming back and playing sometime. And then time passes, and we haven't heard a thing in at least a year about Andrew Luck. Um, we've heard more about his father, obviously, uh, with the XFL situation than we have with, with Andrew Luck. So I do think, I'm with you, I do think his career is over. The interesting part of all this is what are the Colts going to do at quarterback next season? What if they go to Andrew Luck in the offseason and say, hey, would you be willing to come back? Now, whether he comes back or not, it's a different story. But we know Phillip Rivers' situation. We know his age. He has to have offseason foot surgery. He's not under contract next year. Jacoby Brissett also is scheduled to become a free agent in the offseason. So what are the Colts going to do at quarterback? I'm not going to be surprised if they at least approach Andrew Luck in the offseason, if they decide they want to move on from Phillip Rivers or Philip Rivers is going to retire, at least say, make a phone call. Would you be willing to come back and play for us? If he says no, that's okay. But at least you've made that effort to bring him back. Otherwise, if well, I, Rivers doesn't come back, who's your quarterback? I won't believe that Andrew Luck is potentially coming back until Rob Lowe reports that Andrew Luck is retired because <laughs> we know that's the kiss of death on a Colts quarterback's retirement. But, uh, yeah, look, I think Carson Wentz is the guy we need to keep an eye on. We talked about that earlier this week. The Colts make yeah, the most right. sense for Wentz if the Eagles try to move on because of the presence of Frank Reich. But it really is amazing, and it's Andrew Luck's business. He has to want to play. The last thing you want on a football field is a guy who doesn't want to play. 
But you think about the money he could make and could have made over the balance of his career. We see what the market is doing for quarterbacks. He would have gotten a new contract at some point. He would have been in that $40 million range. And I, but, but, but he has to make those decisions. And he was so banged up for that period you know, after four or five years into his career, and, and you get to a point where it's just not worth it. You crunch the numbers. You know how much money you've earned. How much is enough? What do you really want to do with your life? Do you want to constantly be in this cycle of broken down, surgery, rehab, pain, go back and do it all over again? That, that's what always amazes me about football players. They get their bodies in peak physical condition, and then they enter an arena where they know they're inevitably going to get hurt. And a lot of them get hurt enough that they have to have surgery and work and fight and scratch and sweat and try to get themselves back to where they can play again just to do it all over again. And Andrew Luck decided he want, didn't want to do it. And, and I, I'd be surprised if he comes back. I wouldn't be surprised if someone tries to get him to come back, but I'll be surprised if he does. How about we take a break when we return? The Steelers, now 11-1. and Mike Tomlin seemingly relieved. What are they walking into on Sunday night in Buffalo? Can they get their running game back? Have they had too many injuries? Have they had too many guys on the COVID-19 reserve list? We're going to talk to Ed Bouchette of The Athletic about all things Steelers when PFTPM continues right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Best start ever for the Pittsburgh Steelers in franchise history. Better than any of their Super Bowl championship years, 11-0. Lost on Monday night. Coach Mike Tomlin actually seemed relieved by that development. Lots of pressure on that team week in and week out. And they they put their 11-1 record on the line this weekend. Shereen, when they go to Buffalo Sunday night football, a great game. Buffalo 9-3, dangerous. They look great in primetime against the 49ers on Monday in Arizona. And uh, this is not going to be easy for the Steelers down the stretch. You know, Miles Garrett had the tweet on Tuesday that maybe the Steelers have opened the door. And when you look at the balance of the Steelers' schedule, they could lose another one, another two, and maybe another three. 
Yeah, the, the schedule is daunting for the Steelers, even though they are what they are, 11-1, and one, and, and look like one of the two or three best teams in the NFL, Mike. It, it's, it's a tough schedule down the stretch, but boy, are we going to looking forward to seeing these games coming up for the Steelers the next four weeks. Other than that Bengals game, Bills, Colts, Browns, I can't wait to see those three games. Some great, great games coming up and coming up right now. Ed Bouchette, who is synonymous with Pittsburgh sports, specifically the Steelers, covers the Steelers for the Athletic. Ed joins us now. Good afternoon, Ed. How are you, pal? I'm good, Mike. Shereen, thanks for having me on. We appreciate you joining us. Give us a big picture look before we get into some of the specifics. The Steelers right now at 11-1 and coming off of that loss. Where are they in your estimation as they move toward the final quarter of the season? Mike, probably the lowest point of their season. Um, you know, they just lost their line, another linebacker, Vince Williams, so that and, and um, Joe Hayden as well. So the defense has just been beat up. They're, they're without uh, – uh, uh, four or five starters, depending on, uh, you know, guys who moved up and uh, are out as well. So uh, without Bud Dupree, uh, Devin Bush early on, you know, this this defense is uh, not going to be nearly the kind of defense they had earlier in the year. Ed, the Steelers rushing game we know hasn't been what we're used to seeing from the Steelers. They rank 29th in rushing and. They really haven't been good, but they do get a couple pieces of that back with Pouncey and Connor coming back. How much do you think they need to run the ball better to be a true contender and, and get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl like they want to do? You know, it's funny, Shereen. I talked to Jerome Bettis the other day about it and wrote a story. He thinks they just need to commit more to it, um, that that they're, they're just totally abandoning it. And, you know, it's the chicken or egg theory. Are they not using it because it's not good or it's not good because they're not <laughs> committing to it you know um they could throw the ball uh they've had trouble catching it lately if they'd have hung on to a couple of those passes last week they might have come away 12 and 0 instead of 11 and 1 but the running game just they're, they're not getting the blocking and as Bettis pointed out to me it's because they're not committing run blocking is a different kind of block than than pass blocking and if you don't do it often enough you don't get used to doing it Benny Snell was the starter on Monday night. His stat line there, eight carries for five yards, reminds me of the all-time greatest running back stat line, the game from Jerome Bettis, where he had five carries for one yard and three touchdowns, which is just absolutely awesome. Ed, have you heard any talk that one of the reasons why maybe the Steelers aren't running the ball as much is because the quarterback has been exercising his prerogative at the line of scrimmage to change run plays to pass plays maybe more often than he should? Well, it's not so much that, Michael. It's um, the RPOs where he has control. And he admitted it the other day. Maybe I'm taking those RPOs and passing more than running it. Um, And so, yeah, I would say, yes, that some of that falls on his shoulders. Now, they did try to run it down at the one-yard line the other day. They ran it three times um, and got nothing with Benny Snell. They... They put Ben under center on one of them with an eye formation with a fullback in there and couldn't get anything. So, um, you know, and then they tried a stupid pass to the to the backup tackle that was uh, comical. But, you know, they 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 tried to trick them because they can't get a yard. Um, and again, I go back to what Jerome said. If you don't try more 
you don't commit more, you're not going to be able to do it. And in the playoffs, it's going to catch up to them. How much have they missed Marquise Pouncey, Ed? Because he is one of the best at his position in the NFL. He is, Shireen. But, you know, with him in there, they were running for 44. They had three games in a row that they couldn't get 50 yards rushing. And um, that was with him in there. That was with all their starters in there. So um, I don't know that, yes, they do need him back. Um, he is an important part of that. But even with him in there, they weren't able to do it. And Marquise Pouncey, obviously now activated from the COVID-19 reserve list. The Steelers have had not a full-blown outbreak where there's been a ton of guys on the COVID-19 reserve list at any one time. But, Ed, it seems like there's this constant smattering, and we only know about the players. You know, I've heard talk that maybe there have been some outbreaks among staff, and we've, we've had some coaches that have been out of pocket. What's been the COVID-19 situation the past few weeks for the Steelers? Has there been an outbreak that we don't know about? No. Uh no, uh, what they don't do, Mike, is they don't identify whether it's a close contact or if the guy tested positive for COVID. They just haven't done that. Now, we've been able to figure some of them out, like um, the tight end Vance McDonald, and he acknowledged it today that he had it. Um, but they've had Stefan Tuitt out. Now they have Vince Williams out. They had Marquise Pouncey out. They had James Conner out. You're right. You nailed it. I mean, it hasn't been all one at a time like some of these other teams, but they've lost some key players. Those are all starters. And, um, you know, even Ben was on a close contact out for a while. He didn't miss the game, but he missed a week's worth of practices one, one week. And J.J. Watt is really pushing his brother to no one's surprise for Defensive Player of the Year. And it does look like it's a two-man race between T.J. Watt and Aaron Donald, although the Dolphins have started to push Xavier Howard to get his name in that conversation. Is there anything that T.J. can do these last four games to really convince voters to go away from Aaron Donald, who we know is the best defensive player in football, and vote for T.J. Watt? You know, the funny thing is, Shereen, Aaron Donald came through the same building that T.J. Watt's in right now when he played at Pitt, and he's the local high school kid here. Um, yeah, he could keep doing what he's doing. You know, um, Aaron has, what, 12 and a half sacks, and T.J. has 12. Um, T.J. also is pretty good at um, uh, forcing fumbles. Um, he missed jumping on one the other day because he tried to pick it up and run with it, or else he'd have, he would have had another fumble recovery. Um, he, he reminds me of Greg Lloyd in many ways. Greg was so good at uh, forcing fumbles on quarterbacks when he, when he hit them, he'd chop at their arms, and uh, TJ's pretty good at that. But, you know, he's going to get double teamed more now with Bud Dupree not in there, and they have a rookie, Alex Highsmith, at, at the other uh, end, at the other linebacker spot. So uh, that could uh, affect him, but I've seen him burst through double teams as well, just the way, you know, Aaron Donald. They couldn't stop him, and they couldn't stop his brother, J.J. Watt, either with double teams. And that Bills offense on Monday night looked unstoppable by the San Francisco 49ers defense. They couldn't get to Josh Allen, who can buy time with his legs. They couldn't cover Stephon Diggs. They couldn't cover Cole Beasley. Gabriel Davis was open when he needed to be. He just ran by Richard Sherman at one point. And we, we talked so much about concerns offensively. Without Joe Hayden, as you mentioned, who's out with a concussion, without Bud Dupree, without Robert Spillane, this is going to be a real challenge, isn't it, for the Steelers to try to slow down a very good Bills offense? 
Yeah, and they Mike, they have one healthy inside linebacker, Avery William Williamson, who you know they just traded for before the trade deadline. Um, they'll, they're going to be using a safety at the other uh, inside linebacker. I would expect them actually to go some play a lot of nickel and dime defense uh, Sunday night. Yeah, I don't I don't know that they're going to be able to contain Josh Allen and that Allen and that crew. I think that. Um, if the Steelers are going to win, and I'm surprised it's still only a two and a half point spot, I think they're going to have to uh, ring that bell a lot themselves on offense. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Wed. We appreciate your time. We'll check out your fine work at The Athletic. We wish you all the best, and we hope to talk to you again soon. And we are going to take a quick break here. We'll be back with more PFTPM right after this. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. I wish we could have 14 defenders. That'd be nice. But, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're hard conversations. You know, do we man them? Do we zone them? Do we blitz them? Do we, you know, Andy's got every, you know, play in the, in the history of the National Football League. Uh, they run option. They run RPOs. The missile motion, yeah. Not going to be easy, so you guys can have fun with that. Brian Flores, the Dolphins head coach, talking about the challenge that is facing the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Time now on the show where we talk about the things we can't wait to see, and there are plenty of things we can't wait to see this weekend. A great slate of games, as previously mentioned. Shireen, as always, you get to go first. What is the first thing you can't wait to see come Sunday? I want to see if Brian Flores, and you alluded to it, can he slow down that Chiefs offense? They're not going to stop it. He knows that because they're not going to get to use 14 defenders. They're only going to have 11 out there. The Dolphins' defense has been very good this year. They're second in scoring defense, but the Chiefs are second in scoring offense, so it's a classic battle. But you talked about Flores with the Patriots. He was the defensive coordinator, beat the Chiefs twice that season, 
43-40 in the regular season and 37-31 in the AFC Championship game in overtime. High-scoring games, so I think, as you said earlier, the Dolphins are going to have to score a lot of points in that game to keep up with the Chiefs, and I think that's going to be very difficult. But either that or the Dolphins are going to have to force some turnovers. But it's, it's a very interesting, I think, matchup between that Chiefs offense and that Dolphins defense. Yeah, and I don't know that the Dolphins have the offense to outscore the Kansas City offense, especially in light of a very balanced Kansas City defense. We saw a couple of interceptions from Tyron Matthew when the Chiefs beat the Broncos on Sunday night. They they can slow down the run. They can slow down the pass. And I just don't think that the Dolphins offense is prolific enough to, to match whatever it is that the Dolphins defense can hold the Chiefs offense to. First one for me. Can the Minnesota Vikings, who will be going into a hot environment in Tampa Bay, probably being required to wear their purple jerseys to soak up the rays of the sun? It's going to be sunny. It's going to be 80 degrees. The Buccaneers coming off of a bye week. The Vikings have never beaten Tom Brady. And the Vikings, I don't think, match up very well with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. But the season is on the line. This is a de facto playoff game for the Vikings. They're 6-6. Six and six. They lose this one. They're done. And this is their opportunity to leapfrog the Buccaneers for the sixth seed, at least for now, because the Bucs are 7-5. and five. A Vikings win would, would make both of them 7-6 and six and give Minnesota the tiebreaker. But between the receivers that Tom Brady has at his disposal, the overmatched secondary the Vikings have, specifically at corner, and the inability to put heat up the middle, that's how you you harass and harangue Tom Brady is with heat up the middle. It's going to be hard to do, and it's a tall order. I want to see if the Vikings can at least keep it close, keep it interesting. They need their run game to fire on all cylinders. The Tampa Bay rush defense, however, is pretty good. This one, to me, could get ugly quickly, and the Buccaneers need a resounding win to get that that magic back that they had before they lost three of their last four games, Shereen. They're making a stretch run where they need to win they need to get to the playoffs. They need to vindicate everything they've done this year to go all in with Tom Brady. And uh, we're going to find out whether or not they're ready to make a big push come Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Mike Zimmer's done it before, Mike. In 2013, he was the Bengals' defensive coordinator when they had Tom Brady had his one of his worst games ever. So he's done it before, and, and this defense has had some injuries. We know it's going to be tough. Mike Evans is going to play despite that hamstring injury, and they need to get the ball to Mike Evans more than what they have. He has been good in the red zone. But, yeah, and to me it's an interesting matchup, as you said, because the Vikings need to win to stay in that playoff hunt. Every loss now is just so magnified for those teams that are fighting for those last couple of wild card spots. Were you covering the Buccaneers in 98? Yes, 99 was my last season. 1998 was when Randy Moss was a rookie. The only loss for the Vikings that year was at Tampa Bay. I guess there would be some poetry to it if Justin Jefferson, who is as spectacular, not without the touchdowns, but from the yardage standpoint as Moss was, if they could reverse that this year, it would be a huge win for the Vikings. I don't think they can pull it off, but we'll see what happens. All right, what's next on your list? My list is Andy Dalton returns to Cincinnati, and I want to see how the 
few fans are, that are there and how the team really honors Andy Dalton because he was very good for them. You know, he showed up after the Car- Carson Palmer has retired, unretired, traded, all of that happened, and he led him to the playoffs five times in his first five seasons, and that's significant in, in Cincinnati. We know their history of not making the playoffs. We know what they've been since then. He was very good in Cincinnati in those first five seasons, so I have a feeling that they'll honor him very well, and this wasn't supposed to be a game that he was going to play. It was supposed to be Joe Burrow versus Dak Prescott. Both of those quarterbacks are out for the season, so now we have Brandon Allen versus Andy Dalton. The only reason to watch this game is the pregame, just to see how that goes with Andy Dalton. After that, I don't know if there's much reason to turn on this game, Mike. <laughs> Three and nine versus two, nine and one. Yeah. Both teams playing for pride or draft positioning. And frankly, at this point, go with the draft positioning. Don't try to win these games. Get a higher spot in the draft order and get a better player to try to make your bad team better as quickly as possible. I'm looking at another quarterback potential revenge game although it's been a while since Alex Smith last played for the 49ers that was the team that drafted him back in 2005 he was there through 2012 it seemed like he had a different offensive coordinator every year he finally hit his stride in 2011 took the 49ers to the NFC championship game and then suffered a concussion in 2012 you're not supposed to lose your job via an injury, but that's how he lost his job. Colin Kaepernick came in, and Kaepernick grabbed the job, and they traded Alex Smith to the Chiefs after that, and now Alex Smith gets a chance to go to a stadium where he never played when he was with the 49ers, but still, it's at the 49ers, and it's an impactful game. This is another one of those games where if you would look at just the game without any understanding of the broader circumstances, you'd see 5-7 49ers, 5-7 Washington. You say, who cares? Well, This is the opportunity for the 49ers to make a late kick and maybe steal a playoff spot. And Washington tied for first place in the NFC East. This is a sneaky great game. And Alex Smith has been spectacular. Someone suggested to me today, not only should he win the comeback player of the award unanimously, Shereen, they should name it after him. And I kind of like that. Yeah, it's not a bad idea, Mike, for what he's come back from. 17 surgeries, nearly lost his life, nearly lost his leg, and now here he is doing what he's doing for Washington again. And, you know, he's not just winning the award for for coming back and stepping onto the field. I mean, he's playing at a high level. He had back-to-back 300-yard games. He had never done that in his career, had a career-high passing yards. I think it was 389. It was just under 400 this year. He's been very good for Washington. I know you look at his stats and you go, hey, he's had four touchdowns, five interceptions, and not that good. But he just seems to be getting better. And, you know, he didn't miss a whole entire season and came back. And and I just think every week he gets better. That running game certainly has helped uh, with Antonio Gibson and the other guys they have had there running the football. And I know Gibson's banged up right now. But they have been very good on offense since he's been in there. And I do think he should be their quarterback of the future. I think they found that guy in Alex Smith if he wants to continue to play after this season. But you go back to when they first drafted him, Mike, in San Francisco. They had their choice, Aaron Rodgers or Alex Smith. And they chose Alex Smith. And it's hard to believe that it's been 14 seasons that he's been in this league. And it certainly hasn't been Aaron Rodgers. But he's been a very good quarterback in his career since he left San Francisco. Yeah, he's been spectacular overall and uh, relative to plenty of other quarterbacks who have come and gone since 2005. And the comeback that we saw, the resilience, overcoming the adversity, we've never seen anything like it in sports, not just football, but in any sport. All right, one more, Shereen. What are you looking forward to seeing on Sunday? 
Well, Mike, last week we wanted to see if the Browns could beat a, a team with a winning record. They did that against the Titans. Look very good. And now they have a chance to enact revenge against the Baltimore Ravens, who they lost to 38-6 to in the season opener, their worst loss of this season. We thought they were going to be the same old Browns. They're not the same old Browns. And you know what? I think we have I think their offense has proved us right, Mike, that they are a better offense without Odell Beckham in it. Four touchdown passes from Baker Mayfield last week. They all went to different receivers. Nine different receivers caught passes, not counting Baker Mayfield's catch. They've been very good without Odell Beckham on offense. Yeah, it's run the ball and use that running game to set up the passing game. The key though is the pass rush. The Titans didn't have a great when it made it easier for Baker Mayfield. What will the Ravens do by way of bringing heat on Baker Mayfield? And will he have a game like he did on Sunday, or will it be a lot worse than that? We're going to open up the mailbag when PFTPM continues right after this. Hey, Richard, what did you think of... Uh... Baker slide there in the end zone to get the photo in time. That was pretty impressive, bro. I'm not even gonna lie, like, might be the most athletic thing I've ever seen him do, bro. Like, no lie. It was pretty nice, though. You know, I hadn't seen that. That was an impressive slide into the end zone by Baker Mayfield because it was a little too close to comfort to the goalpost. Didn't we see DJ Moore of the Panthers collide with the goalpost not long ago? And remember, this goes back to our early days of being football fans, Shireen, there was a time, kids, yes. where the goalpost was on the goal line. And it actually was, remember, it was two posts that were affixed to the yep. goal line. Then they came up with the one post that was off the goal line a bit, but it was smack dab in the middle of the end zone as it curved up and put the 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 big giant U right over the goal line before they moved it all back 10 yards. That was a big deal. That was one of the first big rule changes I remember. The goal post actually going back 10 yards and making every kick 10 yards farther than it would have been. Yeah, you started adding up those 10 extra yards. You're like, holy cow, these are, these are going to be long field goals all of a sudden. So, yeah, that was a big deal when that thing got moved back. But you would see teams actually use the goalposts too. It's kind of sometimes how they use the umpire when he used to stand back there as kind of a cover to, to block and get around. The receivers use that a little bit. Oh, and why wouldn't you? I mean, you've got this big, giant, yeah. padded steel pole in the middle of the field. <laughs> yeah, use that. To, that's a more effective pick. Than, than any teammate ever will be, and you're not going to get called for offensive pass interference if the goalpost ends up supplying the pick. All right, time to open up the mailbag. First question, our good friend A. Red Zone Alk. Is Richard Sherman short on offers for next year? He seems to be begging the 49ers to keep him. Now, obviously, he can't negotiate with anyone until the offseason, but it is weird that he keeps making it known that he won't be back with the 49ers next year for financial reasons. It's not like he's playing at the same level he was at last year. One of the reasons is they don't have the pass rush, which exposes him a little bit more. Every time I pay attention to him, it just looks like a lot of standing around to me, frankly, Shireen. Uh, I don't know if anyone's going to give him big money. It would have been better for him to hit the market coming off of his 2019 season than 2020. Maybe he has to move to safety. I don't know, but but I don't expect anyone to give him a huge offer for 2021. I don't know that that means he goes back to the 49ers eventually, but I, I am kind of surprised by this, this 
presumption by Richard Sherman that he's going to get a giant pile of money as a free agent this year. Yeah, and especially with the salary cap going down like we expected to go down, Mike, there's no way he's getting big money. And he's his own agent, obviously, and you've made a big point of that. He negotiates his own contracts. The, the 49ers, I was amazed by this. They, they have 40 guys scheduled to become free agent. That's unbelievable to me. And they want to re-sign Trent Williams and Fred Warner among the guys they want to keep. So, the, yeah, they're probably not going to be able to afford Richard Sermon. But I, I'm like you. I don't know where he thinks he's going to go to get big money because I just don't see any team paying him big money when you have a lot of contracts to redo. There's a lot of free agents on the market who are better than Richard Sherman. Guys are going to draft, and the sour cap's going down. It just doesn't make sense to me that anybody's going to give him big money. I expect a one-year deal that's reasonable. I I, I don't know where I saw this, and I don't know if this was on the PFT writer's text chain, but the idea that maybe he would go back to Seattle if they could mend to fences Seattle. appropriately, I don't know that they can. But he needs to be in a system where he fits. He needs to be in a system where he's not expected to cover guys down the field because he just can't. I'm not sure that he ever could, but he definitely can't at this point, and that's just one of the realities. So maybe it's Richard Sherman, the agent, being as shrewd as he can be for Richard Sherman, the player, but I don't see it. All it takes is one team to offer him too much money and then mission accomplished, but he would have been in a better spot for that last year than this year. Next question, Skull Vikings 407. Are we giving Taysom Hill too much credit for the Saints' success because the defense has been spectacular, Shereen? I think we're not giving the Saints defense enough credit. I, I would rephrase the question a little bit. I mean, they're first in total defense, but they're not a team that quickly comes to mind when you start thinking about the great defenses in this league this year. You think the Rams, you think of the Steelers, maybe you think of the Bucs, although they've gone down a little bit since then. But the, the Saints don't come immediately to mind. But you think about the job that Aggie great Dennis Allen's done in rebuilding this defense, and they've given him a lot of parts, I realize. They've given him a lot of first-round draft picks. They've done a lot to rebuild the defense. But when he got there in 2015, they ranked 32nd in 2015, 31st in 2016 in points allowed, and now they're doing what they're doing this year. It's just been amazing to me that they've managed to turn that around. And I think Dennis Allen probably deserves, Mike, a second chance as a head coach. You can't uh, really have anybody judged by what they do with the Raiders based on them being the Raiders. I think he deserves another chance to be a head coach because I think he can be a very good head coach in this league. It's amazing how certain guys become darlings of the media and you hear specific names raised all the time. Dennis Allen's name never comes up. Maybe he needs a better agent. Maybe he needs better friends in the media. It really is a significant part of the game the people in the media who will tout you, but maybe Dennis Allen should be touted more than he is. So somebody's not working the Dennis Allen angle the way that they should, because this is a team with an offensive minded head coach who, as he explained to me earlier this week, when we talked about the jets end of game debacle, the head coach is involved. The head coach is monitoring. The head coach is checking that there isn't going to be a zero blitz with the game on the line, but still it's, Dennis Allen's defense. Dennis Allen is in charge of it, and he's done a great job with it, and I think somebody needs to – you know, we're not here to advocate for anyone. It's, it's up to the teams. You, you make your decision. You make your bet, whether it's good or whether it's bad. But it is odd to me that some guys get touted and some guys don't. 
Back to Taysom Hill, it's not odd to me that he's getting credit. He's playing well. He's improving as a passer. He has more time to work with the receivers. When you're the backup quarterback, you don't get to work with the starting receivers. The starting quarterback does. So now that he's done it for three weeks, he's getting his timing down. That's what he told me after the win over the Falcons. The idea that that he you know, spends time after practice working on that timing, making it easier for the receivers to catch the ball. And so uh, he, everyone should be getting more credit in New Orleans, including Sean Payton for putting it all together. All right, one more question. Tweets by Donovan wants to know, what would be a bigger story, the Chiefs losing to the Dolphins or the Dolphins beating the Chiefs? I, I think it'd be the Dolphins beating the Chiefs simply because, they, to me, they have two really good wins in the Cardinals and the Rams, but those were both NFC teams. They won't come into play in the playoffs. If they beat the Chiefs, then I think we're talking about the Dolphins potentially being a hard out in the postseason in the AFC. Yeah, I agree with you. And also, also what it does, it if the Chiefs would lose and the Bills beat the Steelers, it, it makes that top seed very intriguing down the stretch. And unfortunately for the Bills, they lost to the Chiefs. So it's not like they could they could sweep in with a tiebreaker. But uh if the if the Bills look really good against the Steelers on Sunday and if the Chiefs would lose with three games left. You'd have to wonder, is there a way the Bills can pull the inside straight and end up getting the bye, Shereen? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that bye is going to be significant this year. We know only one team gets it. It's going to be probably between the Chiefs and the Steelers, but some tough games for both of these games down the stretch. All right, let's wrap up this Friday edition of PFTM. PFTPM, let me get the name of the show right. If we don't get it right, who the hell will? A little feel-good Friday action with Frank Reich, the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, teaching his granddaughter how to properly carry a football. Here it is. You want to see the, I'm going to show you the eagle claw. Ready? Put your fingers over the point just like that. And right the eagle claw. And then wrist above the elbow. Can you show me the eagle claw? Can you say it? Eagle claw. Eagle claw. Fingers over the point, just like the eagle claw. Just like that. Wrist above the elbow. Then your glass hand right there. Then run. Let's see how fast you can run. Yeah! <laughs> you know, that looks a little more like the Tiki Barber high and tight than uh, than what happened. Maybe she's got good instincts for avoiding fumbles. High and tight like Tiki Barber learned. You know what? You know what strikes me the most about that, Mike? That that he has a granddaughter. Gosh, that makes me feel old. It seems like <laughs> yesterday he was playing. Yeah, that's absolutely right. That was one of my reactions too when I saw the tweet. It's like, wait a minute, granddaughter, and you start doing the math. It's like, oh yeah, uh, we're old. On that happy note, uh, enjoy the weekend of games. <laughs> Congratulations to the NFL for making it this far. It really has been a serious and depressing time, and the news keeps getting worse and worse. So at least we have football every weekend and on Mondays and sometimes more often than that to take our minds off of it. We know how serious everything is. We hope everyone stays safe, stay home, be smart, and enjoy the football. We'll see you coming up next week. Have a great weekend. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 